Good morning. It's always good to see you guys. Your faces here. So good morning. Welcome to another discipleship class. Um, those who are watching online, those who are going to be listening on the podcast, um, thank you guys for being a part of this uh, session today. All right, let's start with a prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for not seeing us for what we are, but being gracious towards us and calling us to yourself. Thank you for delivering us out of the power of darkness and bringing us into your own light and equipping us, Abba Father, for such a time as this to be a part of your kingdom, to be a part of your family, to be called your own, to praise you, to come boldly before your throne of grace, to worship before your throne, even with the holy angels in heaven who bow constantly in adoration. We just join with them in praising you. We say, holy, holy, holy are you, O God, worthy of all praise, worthy of all adoration. You are our all and we pour our love before you this morning. We open our hearts to you saying, teach us this morning, be our teacher, be our shepherd, be our guide, be our guard. Father, give us ears to hear you. Give us hearts that understand. Make us fearful before you. Make us fervent before you. Make us, oh God, adherents of your word. Give us the spirit to be obedient to you, O oh Lord. We worship you and we say thank you. Thank you for all the honor to us. All the glory, all the honor, all the praise be up unto you, O oh Lord. For you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, over the last three weeks, we've been in a series. We've been talking about uh, overcoming temptation, right? First, we talked about the fact that Jesus said temptation will always come. Woe unto the world because temptation, because of temptation. And it is necessary that temptation should come, right? But then woe unto the man through whom it comes, right? So we've been looking at overcoming through temptation because we know that temptation is necessary in this world. We looked at Jesus' temptation, how he overcame, right? We looked at how he responded to Satan when Satan when the tempter uh, came to tempt him. Um, and how he overcame in all those three instances, right? The first one when he said, you know, turn the stone to bread. Uh, and then he says, Man shall not leave by bread alone. By everyone that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then the last week, we kind of looked at overcoming through confidence and faith, right? Overcoming by knowing who you belong to. Knowing that you belong to God should give you the confidence and the faith. We looked at uh, Paul's situation when Paul was in a dire situation where everyone thought they were all going to die. Paul stood up and told them that the God to whom I belong to has guaranteed me this, right? So knowing that you belong to him and he's not going to let his sheep perish, right? Uh, Because in the same parable where Jesus says that um, we're onto the wall because of temptation, he also continues to say that if you had a hundred sheep and one goes astray, will you not leave the 99 to go and find the one that has gone astray? Even so, neither is your father willing to let any of these ones go to waste, right? To perish. So knowing whom you belong to should give you that confidence, that faith, that whenever you're fighting through any form of temptation, the God who 
you belong to has made a way of escape for you. I remember Sister Isema's testimony the last time of how she was struggling with something. And Pastor kept telling her that, you can't do this. You can't do this. For you, it might just be, okay, something that worked. But to her, it was a temptation at that point, right? Well, God had already made a way so that you didn't actually do what you weren't supposed to do, right? So it's the same thing with us. We should, uh, in our day-to-day walk with God, we should understand that temptation will come. But we can overcome, right? So today we'll look at overcoming through obedience, right? Our first scripture is going to come from John chapter 14, from verse 15 to 24. Our next verse is going to be a very long one, right? But let me read John 14. John 14, 15 through 24. All right. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because he neither sees him nor knows him. But you, you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you he who has my commandments and keeps them it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him Judas not Iscariot said to him Lord how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world Jesus answered and said to him if anyone loves me he will keep my word And my father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but my father's who sent me. So he's explaining the idea of obedience here, right? That it's only the person who loves me that keeps my commandments. I've said that we've we've looked at this before in the past when we talked about you know, Jesus manifesting himself to his disciples, right? He says that very soon the world is not going to see me, but you who are his disciples, you will see him, right? He will manifest himself. When we looked at the subject of uh, the relationship that you've been called into is one of uh, sonship, one of love with the son, right? Unity with the son. We talked about this. We talked about how Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, he will manifest himself to you, right? So the struggle is not so much as, hey, I don't see Jesus or um, I don't know his words, but obedience to the word that you know. If you think about the story of Abraham, when God said to him, Abraham, take your son, the one that you love, go and sacrifice him. Abraham didn't ask God, oh God, why? After how many years of promising me this promise, you didn't even, you know, care for my emotions. Now you said I should go and kill the son. He didn't argue. He didn't say anything. He just went and just obeyed, right? He didn't know at the time it was a test for him, did he? 
He just knew that whatever God says, I have to obey. And Paul interprets this later as saying that his faith was that God who gave the son to him was able to resurrect the son. That was his faith at that point, right? He was obeying to the to the letter. He was obeying all the way to the end. Uh, yesterday, uh, Hannah was reading. Uh, they have a kids version of the Bible that they read. It's it, they turn the Bible into like a story, <laughs> so it's easy for kids to digest. And she was reading the story of Leah, and there was one part where it says, Leah said. Nobody likes me, I'm too ugly. <laughs> and then I know the Bible doesn't actually say that. I don't know why they turn the stories that the Bible doesn't even say Leah was ugly. The Bible says she had weak eyes. And weak eyes doesn't necessarily mean lazy eyes like we we think uh, in today's generation where you see people with lazy eyes. The word that was actually used was she's not beautiful in all of her body, but she's beautiful in her eyes. Meaning that she had nice eyes. So Rachel was pretty all over, right? She, you could see her and you could easily gravitate to her and she was pretty. But Leah, you have to stare into her eyes to see her beauty. So, but we've actually come to interpret as meaning that she had lazy eyes. Meaning translation, she's ugly. But there's nowhere in the Bible where it says that she's ugly. But back to the, back to the reason why I'm bringing this up. is all the fact that even through her trial, the story of Leah, look at Leah's story. Even through her trial and her temptation, she was constantly obedient, even in the midst of, you know, you're wrestling with your sister, you're not loved, you're not, uh, you're not as favor- favored as your sister, you were the mistake that somebody made, right? That even through the midst of that, she was obedient, right? If, if, if you look at the story of Leah and, and Rachel, it's only Rachel that took her father's idol. Leah did not, <laughs> right? Okay, so let's go to the next uh, Matthew 13. This is a very long chapter, all right? We're looking from Matthew 13 uh, through uh, 3 through 23. But we're looking at Jesus' uh, parable. Um, ooh, who wants to go read for us? And we're going to be interactive with this one. I want to hear what you guys think about what Jesus is saying in, in all of this, okay? Matthew 13. Uh, from verse 3 yeah all the way through 23 yeah and he spoke many things unto them in parables saying behold the sower went forth to sow and when he sowed some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up some fell up upon stony places where they had no not much earth and with they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no roots, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some and hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. So that's the first thing. Every time he says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. He's giving you a very important instruction that you have to pay heed to, right? Okay, so continue, sister. And the disciples came and they said unto him, 
Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever had to, for whosoever had, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. For whosoever had not, from him shall be taken away even that he had. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they, they see, see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, and we say, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. And, and these people's hearts is waxed gross, and their ears are dull to hearing, and their eyes they have they have closed, lest at any time they should see with, with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their hearts, and, and should become converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are you are your eyes, for they see and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Hear, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and snatched away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receiveth seed by the wayside. But he that receiveth seed into, into stony, stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and the anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not fruit in himself, but but endureth, but endureth for a while, for when tribulation or temptation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receiveth seed among the tongue is he that heareth the word, and the and the care of this word, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and the determines. But he that receiveth seed unto the good ground, is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundred, some sixty, some thirty. Amen. Thank you. Amen. So we look at this uh, parable in the past, right? And I believe the last time we looked at it, we said that we all fall into all of those four categories. It just depends on the word that you've actually heard. There's some words that you will hear that you don't understand, right? Because you don't understand the word, the devil comes and snatches it from you, right? Lest it should bear much fruit in your heart. There's some words that you will hear and you will face persecution because of it. And all of a sudden, if you're not strong enough, you fall away, you fall away from obedience to that specific word, right? And then there are some words that you will hear, but your daily life chokes it out. Your daily life of work, 
busyness at work, right? And then there are some words that it sinks into your spirit. You know it to the letter and you bear fruit in that area, right? All right, so I want to hear from you guys. Timmy, Miracle, Precious, I want to engage you guys. What do you pick up from this parable? You've read it time and time time again, right? So what do you feel like you pick up from this parable and what Jesus is saying? And just remember that when he tells this parable, his disciples don't understand it at first, right? And that's why they ask him, why are you always speaking in parables, right? And we'll look at why Jesus is really speaking in parables in a second. That's the next verse. Yeah, go on. Okay. That's one way to see. Can you give an example? Like explain give so she's saying that sometimes when people hear the word of god it's not there's not a problem with the word the problem actually starts with the state of their hearts right so can you give an example the condition of their hearts yeah so can you give an example oh So she's saying that uh, at a, let's say at a healing service, right? People hear the word about healing. Some will come forward in faith and they'll receive healing. And another, is that what you're saying? Is, is that what you're saying, uh, Precious? So that's an example, right? So I have a friend who's experienced that before, right? She had cancer. Um, there was one point she actually went for a crusade service and she saw, this was before she actually had cancer. Uh, she's actually told the story before on my podcast one time. She, this was before she had cancer. She went for a crusade service and, and people were falling down on the anointing. And she left the crusade service feeling disappointed. She said she felt like God visited everybody, but God paid no attention to her. And then the second time when she went to, a, somebody else invited her for another crusade. When she went there, she, she, she knelt on the floor crying. She said, God, please don't overlook me this time. Please pay attention to me. Like, if you, while you're visiting everybody else, please visit me. And nothing happened to her. She didn't fall under any anointing. There was no, there was no miraculous thing. But when she had cancer, and me and her, we will, every week we will come together, we will pray together. She got to realize that God had already visited her multiple times, but she didn't know what the visitation from God was like. She didn't have the understanding of knowing how God visits people. He doesn't necessarily have to come on you like a huge, mighty push where you fall down, but he visits you and shows you that he's there with you and he prepares you for things. It was only through the experience of cancer and walking with me, you know, us praying together, she praying on her own, that she got to understand that God was with her through the journey. 
She got healed of cancer. That's the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, uh, even the doctors were surprised that this your healing is not normal. But she got to understand through that process that God was always with her. She just didn't understand or know what God's presence was like. So I, I understand when people uh, will say, you know, um, they don't understand the word, they don't hear the word, but the trick is not, not let the word be stolen from you. Don't let it be stolen from your heart, even when you hear the word, right? And you don't understand that first. I doubt that Abraham understood what God meant when God said, go and kill your son. There are a lot of things that I hear from God that I have no idea. Like I told you when I went to, I traveled on my trip to the Caribbean Sea, right? I had zero idea what I was doing there. I didn't understand. So you won't always have understanding in the beginning. Because his disciples, when they hear this parable, they didn't understand it. He had to then give them understanding, give them revelation. And that's why he says, he who has an ear, let him hear. Meaning that once you hear it, and you hear that very important message, he who has an ear, let him hear. It means you have to apply your heart and ask for understanding. The, the Proverbs, what does Solomon say? He says, in all you're getting, get understanding. You have to go and get it. You have to chase after the understanding. Because the understanding doesn't always come immediately, right? All right, Miracle, did you have something you want to add to, add to that? What did you pick up from the, from the parable? Your disciples, your his disciples. So he gave you a parable. I want to hear what, it, what that parable means to you. Okay. I don't think that thing comes up though. Just, yeah, just. There was not a lot of soil. of that it, it, it is definitely someone who was raised as a Christian right it is definitely easier for them to understand the word than someone who say was raised as a Muslim right when you're trying to evangelize to a Muslim half of the things that you're saying they have no idea what that is and even after you kind of even after they say okay this is interesting right 
uh, let's let's dig in a little bit deeper, right? They have zero, there's, the, like you said, there's, there's not enough soil. There's not a lot of background knowledge. There's not a lot of foundation for them to kind of grasp a hold of. So when you start, when they start to take that walk with you, of course they're going to face trials and tribulations from hearing the word. And before you know it, they'll be like, is this what it's like? I'm out of here. When I was a Muslim, I was enjoying life, right? Now that I'm a Christian, you want me to suffer? They will tell you, Alhamdulillah, bye. <laughs> so you understand, because of, you know, there is not enough roots, there is not enough ground, but it takes the grace of God, right? If God calls someone, because I know, so that I'm, I, there's a lot of stories that are swimming through my head. There's this guy who goes about preaching the gospel now. He, he was born Muslim, he grew up Muslim until... Uh, he was on his deathbed. He actually died. And he was on the bed and he saw a man talking to him. And this man was telling him his whole life story. And at the end of their conversation, he thought that the man was a doctor. Um, and then the man said, don't worry, you will live. And he said, and then he says, uh, aren't you my doctor? And he says, I'm Yeshua, Jesus. Go and find out about me. And that's how later when they resuscitated him, he came to life. He started going about preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus. He had, First of all, he had to go and read the Bible. He was hungry for the Bible. He started to consume the Bible, you know, read everything about the Bible and just read all about Jesus. But he had to go through a whole, you know, reprogramming process, right? And there are testimonies like that where people... You know, at some point, because when Jesus reveals himself to someone, right now there is an underground church in Iran. I said, mentioned this a couple of times. Iran is a place where if you're a Christian, you will be imprisoned for being a Christian, right? It's a Muslim country. It's one where there's a lot of human rights abuses, right? But there's an underground church currently growing. And these people are turning to Christianity because of simply they saw Jesus in a vision, Right? Obviously, the, at first, they're not going to actually, uh, you know, know the Bible or know the word. The soil is going to be shallow in their case. But they have to fight through the persecution, right? The early Christians, the early followers of Jesus, they weren't necessarily Christians at the time. They were all Jews, right? But their allegiance to Jesus meant that they had already signed a death sentence because it was a capital offense at that point. After Jesus was crucified, it was a capital offense to be his follower, Right? And that was a trial and the tribulation that they were facing, that they were fighting against. It was continue to follow Jesus or die for your faith, right? So how many people, today we don't have that same thing, but there are people who are still facing that. People in North Korea who are facing prison sentence for the sake of their faith, right? And that is the point where, you know, when trial and tribulation come on account of the word, you don't fall away, right? So for us, uh, the trial and tribulation that will come to us is probably not imprisonment or torture or anything like that. It's probably like social, social stigma, social distancing. People are going to call you a bigot. They're going to call you all kinds of things. People will stop hanging around with you. People don't want to be your friend, right? But that is just social. We don't really need that. Anyways, if you need that, then <laughs> you haven't really cultivated the soil properly, right? Do you want to say something to me? You want to add something to that? 
I think for me, what stood out was the, the four types of uh, people. I think that one really. The four types of people, yeah. That one really, obviously, the, the, in my study Bible mentioned that the first three were the people who, who just outright just rejected Jesus and they falsely uh, proclaimed to be disciples. Okay. And they mentioned that obviously the last type is true discipleship and uh, true disciples, they bear fruit in a miraculous quantity. Right. So I think that was really. Okay. So, so the first one didn't understand. The last one understood. Remember, understanding comes through the Spirit of God, right? So let me ask you one question. Because your study Bible says the first three are not true disciples, right? But the last one is a true disciple. What defines being a true disciple? Is it when you say, okay, I've decided to follow Jesus, right? And you buckle under temptation? Or is it your continuous striving, even when you make a mistake, your continuous striving to make it work? What makes you a true disciple? Because everybody is gonna face temptation, that is the truth. Some people's temptation and trial is a lot more than others. Like I said, we know that some people are sitting in prison right now for the sake of their faith, right? Some people were beheaded. They, a lot of people died for the sake of the gospel that you have today. The gospel that you are right now gathering in freedom and lifting your hands up to God. A lot of people died for this, to have this freedom that you have. So what makes you a true disciple? Your willingness to, to die for this, something that you don't understand? Or your willingness to die for something that you don't understand? Because if you understand it, right, that's when your, your faith will go to the next level. Your willingness to die. You will be willing to, when Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Why will you pluck out your own eye for something that you have no knowledge about? Most people won't do that. It's only something that you have an understanding of that you'll pluck out your eyes for. So the the idea is, I'm not saying that the, the that, study Bible is wrong. I'm saying that wherever you find yourself in the stage, it's all a stage. The first thing is the hearing. You hear the word, right? For us, all of us here, we're probably seasoned Christians. We've already heard a lot of the word and we've already cultivated in our hearts. We've, uh, Paul calls it growing to maturity through uh, constant use, right? Being able to eat mature food through constant use. But for the new believer, the one who you're um, talking to who is just coming to faith, Right? They probably don't have the understanding yet. Right? But the idea is to seek that understanding. That's why the Proverbs says, in all you're getting, get understanding. Because without that understanding, you won't be able to pluck out your own eye. You won't be able to cut off your arm. Because you don't know. There's a, there's a preacher that I was listening to recently, and he was talking about the the fear of God. He was given an example of how uh, there's a friend, a preacher who actually went to, who's in prison right now. And for years, he, he committed adultery with one of his church members. Not only that, he embezzled the church until he actually got caught and he went to prison. And he was asking the guy, at what point did you stop loving Jesus? 
And he said, I never stopped loving him. I loved him even while I was in the midst of that. And then he said, you got to be kidding me. Uh, no. At what point did you start loving Jesus? Because if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And then he says, I didn't start loving Jesus. I just was not afraid of God. That is the difference. And there are a lot of Christians like that. They love Jesus. They know his words. But they let their weakness overcome them. Because they have no fear of God. The Bible says uh, in, in the book of Isaiah. And one, all of the spirits that says shall be on him. When he's talking about the Messiah. It says it shall be the spirit of the fear of God. So I, when he said that, when he made that statement, I started to remember there are certain times. I told there's a girl in my office that I was talking to about my connection to God because she's atheist. And I was telling her that no one can actually tell me that there is no God because I've experienced God. I've drawn closer to God. I know God. It's like somebody telling you that there isn't a Gloria. You've met Gloria. You, you, know, you know who Gloria is. You know her name. But then there's something that is very different about my connection to God is I fear God, that I look at God like fire. If I come too close, I feel that trembling fear. It's not a fear where you fear some oh, darkness, oh, something. It's not that kind of fear. It's, it's a, I have nothing else. You're all that I have. If I lose you, I'll be nothing. But I want to come so close to you. But I feel like if I come too close, you might consume me or you might burn me because you're too big. Right? That is the... I always want to feel that fear all the time. And so she was saying, interesting. She, and then she, she says, okay, that's interesting. But that was the end of the conversation. But what he was saying, the, the preacher, when he was saying that a lot of the time with Christians, it's not that we don't love him. We love him in our own way. Our understanding of love is almost very fickle, right? In American society, if you love someone, you have intimate relationship with the person. A lot of the time, love is just dependent on emotion. I love you until I divorce you. And then I go and marry, and then you're on husband number nine. You loved all nine of them. <laughs> Did you really love all nine of them? I love you on the days when I don't love you. That's how you keep a marriage to the end. And you stay married to one person. Even on the days where I don't feel like I love you, I love you. I make a conscious choice to love you, even in the midst of that. Even when you don't feel that you understand his word, I love you enough to continuously obey the word even when I don't understand it. Pushing through to the next level until I get an understanding of why you said that word. Right? Why you gave that command. Right? Even if I choose that, okay, well, that command is really hard, but I'm scared of you, so you know what? All the same. Your parents, you fear your parents, don't you? Some people a little more than others. <laughs> okay. Some of us a little more than others. Well, the fear of your parents will keep you from doing certain things. 
It'll keep you from not offending them. You don't want to disappoint them. You want their love to remain for you. You don't want them to take that love away from you. All right. Let's read one one last um, chapter. And this one is just looking at why Jesus talks in parable. Because... Can I say something? Yes, yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Do you want the mic? Uh, no. Okay. There's this, uh, uh, even in, in Christendom, yeah. concerning this um, parable, mm. there's this uh, misrepresentation or misteaching mm. of this parable. Because uh, I'm sure 90% of Christians, we believe that this parable talks about different personalities or different people mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, the church mm-hmm. but not telling us that we can be at different uh, levels level of this that is this parable can apply to a christian whether uh, um, uh, a mature christian or mm-hmm. not that this parable applies to you mm-hmm. because at each day or each stage of your life you may be at a particular stage yes. of this parable. Yes. So what, what we Christian we we use it as holier than thou uh we take this holier than thou attitude towards mm-hmm. uh, others. Oh this is for those who are not strong. Yeah. This uh the the word falling into uh, stony ground is for those who are eh, 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 eh. but not applying it to it to me like the way you say there are some days you, you they just the word comes you don't even understand it yeah. uh, and if case not taking it will be taken yeah. away then there are some days the word will come but because of the busyness of life yeah. and all that is choked, yeah, and there's yeah. some days. Oh, the word we come, and you accept it, you believe it, you run with it, yeah, and it yeah. bears fruit. Yeah. And there are some days it will come, you believe in it, and you pray like that. Oh, Father's prayer, mm-hmm. oh, I believe, but help my, my unbelief, yeah. So, yeah. you see, um, that's that part, this part of it is not being taught us, yeah. All that is being taught us. Is oh, it is the one that falls on the path, and those who just came and they, they don't mm-hmm. understand that they are baby Christians and they remain baby Christians, yeah. you know. Yeah, so it, 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 this it's a very great point that you've actually brought up because what does he say? He says, He who hears the word, you don't just hear one word, do you? You hear a lot of words, pluck out your eyes, love your enemies. How many of you have loved your enemies? Just be honest. <laughs> How many of you have taken that word? Pray for those who misuse you. Love your enemies. Do good to those who do you evil. How many of you have taken that word and run with that word all the way to the end? To the point where your enemy came onto faith. See, he says, the word is what he's sowing in you. The word is what bears the fruit in you. Some words that you will hear, some seeds that you will receive, you will be like the one who is on the wayside. You don't understand it. To accept it. <laughs> There's a song that goes, we haven't even finished loving ourselves. How are we supposed to love our enemies? 
right? Those are the same words that Jesus gave. Love one another, even as I have loved you. How many of you are willing to die for your neighbor? How many of you receive that word to love the next person to the point of death and can bear much fruit, like actually die? To be a hundredfold means you actually die for the person. So how many people have done that in Christianity? It's So this verse, right? Because his disciples ask him, like I said, they don't understand the word. They are at the beginning stage where they don't understand the word. But before Satan has a chance to come and steal it from them, Jesus quickly gives them the understanding of the word. That's when he begins to explain what it means to them. That's why he says, to you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them, it's not given. Right? You who are called, when you first accepted Jesus, there is an accepting once, and there's an accepting, yes, I accept Jesus. And you're cons- that second yes that you're making is an everyday walk. It's an everyday acceptance. Because when you first said, I'm a Christian, did you know all the tribulations you were going to face? Did you know all the temptation that you were going to face? Did you know that every time that you're being tried, whether it's at your job, where someone is so mean to you, you have to reply with a... <laughs> you have to like it, yes or no, yeah? Did you know that you will face that much trial and tribulation testing of your faith? You didn't know that. You said yes. At that point, you didn't understand it. That was your beginning point. And then as Jesus began to reveal himself to you as he be- continues to expand, and that's why you need to study the word. Study to show yourself approved. You have to study the word. You have to make time on a daily basis to spend time in his presence. Let him reveal himself to you. If you do not spend enough time on a daily basis with him, you'll be like the one who is uh, allowing the things to choke out the word. Because it's, fi- it's fair enough to hear it once in a while. It's fair enough to hear it once on a Saturday. But you need to cultivate that, re- that strong relationship. You have to hunger. Hunger for his presence to the point where you fall in worship and you're like those prophets who they fell their face down in fear Daniel said when Daniel had a vision he has zero strength to stand up that is his experience of God's presence the fear that came upon him we should hunger and thirst for that presence every time he talks about Jesus Jesus is in prayer I'm, as I'm saying this to you I'm saying it to myself I'm saying it to myself as well that I have to hunger and thirst for that presence I have to hunger and thirst for the outpour of that spirit. All right, let's look at Psalm 78 from verse 1. And this tells us why Jesus was speaking in parables. Because the words that they are hearing, they're hearing it in parables, right? Everybody is going to hear the parables. Some of them will understand. So in Nigeria, we're very good at making parables, aren't we? Uh, there's one that says, uh, now, uh, how do they say it? Um, now, person, when we should not know where they pinch. You one. <laughs> no, matter the, no matter the economy of the jungle, the lion will never eat, we'll never eat grass. When you hear that, if you're not Nigerian, you probably don't even understand what it means. That, so I will give her, let her give the. What does it mean, that parable you just gave? Because she gave the parable. Right? It's a parable of her people. So give an explanation of what it is. Oh, means. that no matter the economy of the jungle, yeah, the, the lion will never eat, eat grass. grass. Yeah. So who is the lion? 
the lion is the king, king of, of the, the jungle, jungle. Uh-huh. and god has made us the uh, uh, kings mm-hmm. of the, in this earth, uh-huh. so no matter the situation in this world no matter anything that is going on the the famine or not or not the children of god will never beg for bread awesome that, see, that, that is such an awesome explanation it also goes heavier than that you know who you are uh-huh. if you're a lion do you eat grass like no. like an antelope or like a goat no know who you are <laughs> all right kids are the kingdom all right the children will never thank you for it. All right, uh, Psalm 78 from verse uh, 1 through 8. We'll just read this and we'll be able to close because we are running out of time. 78, Psalm 78. The psalmist, this is a messianic, uh, this is a messianic uh, prophecy, okay? So Psalm 78 from 1 through 8. Are you reading for us or should I read? read. Okay. All right. Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to my words. I will open my mouth in a parable. Another uh, version says I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. Telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed the law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. I may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. This messianic prophecy is saying that the Messiah will open his mouth in, 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 well, in parables and speak of things that are from the foundations of the world, right? He will utter dark sayings. He will utter things, mysteries, from the foundations of the world. When Jesus is teaching in parables, a lot of people won't understand the parable, but he makes his disciples understand those parables, right? But for us, when we hear the word, the first thing is to obey, right? Even when we don't understand it, even when we don't understand the purpose. There are certain people that they're so evil that I'm thinking, I really don't think there's any purpose in me praying or blessing this person, dear Lord, right? I don't understand why. But he has his own power. He has his own foundations. He has his own his own reason for telling you to do all of that. So that you may be like the Father who is in heaven. Because your Father who is in heaven, he blesses both the grateful and the ungrateful. He allows his Son to shine on everyone alike. So for us to become like him, we have to be obedient. Right? Obedient to the letter, to the end. Alright, uh, I will go ahead and I'll stop there. Any questions? Or anything to add, Sister Judy? Do you have something, Sister Lillian? Sorry. Uh, no? Alright. Okay, alright, we'll go ahead and we'll close out with a prayer. Father, thank you so much for the word that we've heard today. 
uh, thank you for the gift of love, your gift of your salvation, the gift of your truth. Thank you for who you are, being merciful and gracious towards us. Thank you, O oh God, for the opportunity to hear your word. I ask, Lord God, that you who have sown the words in our hearts, you'll be the one to bring water to water it. You'll be the one to bring an increase in it. Lord God, I pray that the enemy will never steal your word from our hearts. In every way that we are tempted, in every way that we are tried, Father, give us your grace to help us overcome, to be more than overcomers even through Jesus. Father, we lift our hearts to you, we lift our lives to you. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will continuously reveal yourself to us, that you will be the one who accomplishes your word in our lives, that your name alone will be lifted up and exalted in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. We lift the rest of the service onto you. We praise you. We glorify you. We worship together in unity. And we exalt you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.